Please stand for the reading of the Gospel. The Holy Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ according to Matthew. Reading from Matthew chapter 6. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For you, if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. Please have a seat. I'd like to uh, introduce Megan to you now. Uh, Megan is going to be... uh, preaching this evening. We're delighted to have you doing that. Megan, Megan, you will probably know as somebody who's very involved in the life of incarnation. Um, amongst about 48 hats that she wears, she is also one of our wardens. So let's pray for Megan as she comes to share on God's word. Father, I thank you for Megan. I thank you for her heart, her love of you and of your church. Help us now, Father, to listen well and carefully to the words that she brings us Thank you that you live in Megan's life and that you have been teaching her. Help us to grow in our understanding as well. Amen. Amen. Thank you. Um, so we're going to talk about prayer, uh, which I think is, is funny that I'm talking about prayer because I think that I am a bad prayer. Um, so I'm mostly going to talk about my experience of being a bad prayer and maybe you can identify with that in some way. I, I read once that talking, about, talking to God is better than talking about God, so I don't know where talking about talking to God leaves us, <laughs> but probably fraught with peril. <laughs> but I wonder what your experience of prayer has been like so far in Lent. We're just past halfway, like only a few days past halfway. And what has it been like in this point in your life? When do you pray? What do you pray about? What makes you pray spontaneously? When you feel like you should pray, but it doesn't come spontaneously, why? For me, prayer can be really hard for a lot of reasons. Um, I don't think I'm good at it alone. Um, I don't think I'm good at it with others. I don't think I'm good at it out loud. And just that knowledge of feeling like I'm not good at it makes me not want to do it. Um, I forget. It just doesn't occur to me to pray. Preparing for this, I've just been like riddled with anxiety. And yet, it's a a sermon about prayer. You'd think I would occasionally occur to me to pray about it, but yeah. Um, 
I feel busy, and it seems like prayer is going to take time I don't have. Um, anxiety itself can be distracting. It feels like it might not work, like I'm going to get the thing that I pray for. It's hard to think of what to say. It makes me really uncomfortable. I feel uncomfortable, especially having people pray for me. It has this tendency to make me cry, and I don't like crying. I don't like crying in public, especially in front of other people. So I'm going to talk about prayer at a really basic level. This is kind of like prayer for dummies or prayer for the distracted. I'm not going to talk about whether it works. I'm not going to talk about whether you'll get what you pray for. And the passage that Amy read from James, there's, there's a discussion of sick people getting well and Elijah's prayer making it stop and start raining at various points. And I, I don't know how that works. Um, and thinking about it sometimes makes prayer hard for me because I, I pray for things and I don't know what's going to happen. But I'm going to encourage us to pray even if we don't know what's going to happen. Um, I like that up to this point we've talked about practices of spiritual disciplines, that they're practices, that it's something that we do and we get better at over time. And I think prayer is like that. So we're going to talk about it at a really basic level and a level where I feel I'm not good at it and try anyway. So one old definition of what prayer is, is opening your mind and heart to God. There is a very old monk named, sorry Morgan if I get this pronunciation wrong, Evagrius the Solitary from like 400 or 300 or something like that, who defined it as communion of the intellect with God. But if we're going to open our minds and our hearts and our intellects to God, then it seems to be we have to deal with what's actually there, um, not what we want to be there. So... I'm going to encourage us to be more honest in prayer. I tend to pray in ways that I think are the right ways to pray, like the right words to pray. And some thoughts and feelings that I have don't tend to lead me to prayer. Like they don't feel like the right things to pray about. They don't feel particularly holy. They feel small or mundane, um, maybe ugly. Maybe I'm not proud of them. Maybe they're inappropriate. Maybe they feel foolish. Maybe I just don't think prayer will add anything to them and it's not worth the time. But I'm beginning to think that it's those things that make for the best prayers. Even if my only thought is that I don't feel like praying. Just that. Because at least that is honest and concrete. So, what are you thinking about right now? Like maybe you're riveted by my every word. Or, maybe you're feeling distracted. Maybe you're thinking about something that happened earlier today that you are regretting, um, or that you enjoyed. It's a Sunday night, so maybe you're thinking about Monday morning and planning for it. Um, maybe you're thinking about a spot on the carpet. I've spent many, many lectures and sermons in church staring at like an errant thread on the back of someone's shirt. So what is that thing? Like, where is your brain right now? Like, for me, I'm just worried that this is going okay, and I think my voice might sound a little weird. So try to identify that thing. Like, where is your mind? And then try to open that to God. And I don't have any particularly good advice for how to do that. Just whatever way you can. Maybe take a deep breath. 
You could try closing your eyes or fixing it on the spot on the carpet. But just direct the thought that you have to God. Don't try to change it. Don't try to add anything to it. Don't turn it into a question if it's not a question. Now, depending on what is on your mind, this might not seem like much. Or maybe it seems like too much, like you wanted to get your mind off of something and we're just bringing it back. And I think prayer can be a lot of things. It can be light, it can be heavy, it can be tearful, it can be joyful, it can be boring. Um, and the passage from James talks about this. It comes, are you suffering? Are you sick? Are you cheerful? And your prayers will take on a lot of different forms depending on what you're coming in with. But one thing that I think prayer isn't, and it shouldn't be, is an escape. I think it's dealing, it has to be dealing with what is, like what is actually in front of you. And Jesus talks about going into your room and closing the door, and I don't think he's talking about that to get away from it all, to like give yourself a mini vacation. I think he's talking about that because that's where we can deal with, with things that are hearts, like in those secret places, when it's things that we don't want to face that it's easy to be distracted when we're out in the world. So I think prayer can be conflicted. Um, if it's honest, it probably will be. And I can have a hard time staying in prayer for a long time for all those reasons. So I think it maybe is okay if prayers are really short. Just for a moment, just for a few seconds, even. And there's value to that because it connects that moment, the now moment, to eternity. And that's a big deal. Or maybe just recognizes the connection that these seconds have to eternity. And if we can do that, even for a second, then we've tapped into a reality where, where God lives. Um, there's a writer of a book on prayer with the very intimidating name of Hans Urs von Balthasar, who described prayer as holding intention, heaven, and earth. And that the only person who can really hold this tension of heaven and earth together is Jesus. But somehow we exist between the two, and in prayer we start to feel that tension more and more. So we shouldn't be surprised if our experience with prayer comes with contradictions and difficulties and mysteries. And there's another reason that I think this practice of bringing the moment is important, and that's connected to confession. And I don't mean repentance, and I don't mean feeling sorry. I just mean confession. Not even necessarily of sins, just acknowledging what is actually there. There is a point later in, all of our, in each service where we have an opportunity to confess, but sometimes I need practice just confessing anything. Um, and doing that, praying in the moment, you are forced to confess what you're really thinking. One more point for honesty. Recommend bringing the real way you talk. Um, prayer, for me, sometimes I can start praying in words that I hear other people praying in, and it makes prayer easier. Um, but if, you, if certain words come to mind, if you drop something on your foot and certain words come to mind, pray them. <laughs> I think that's okay. I think God can deal with that. And even if you don't have very many words, that's okay. Jesus says that's okay. And the prayer he gives us is really short. It's, it's simple. There's not a lot of complicated language there. And prayer is movement into the unknown. So 
we shouldn't be surprised if we run out of words. There's a, another book, a medieval book, called The Cloud of Unknowing, that has a chapter on the virtues of praying a single syllable. It's like, help, this may be a perfectly good prayer. And even if you don't have any words at all, we have St. Paul who tells us that we don't know how to pray as we should, but that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us in groanings too deep for words. Maybe a sigh is a perfectly good prayer too. So up to this point, all we've really done is show up, and that can be hard enough. But I want to talk about another aspect of prayer, which is listening. It's easier for me to think of prayer as the words that I say, but prayer is also listening. And maybe it's listening first, because we believe God spoke first, and that God speaks first, and that we want to tune into that voice. And we've already begun the practice of listening by listening to our own internal dialogue, there's also the world around us, and other people, and God, and all of those things are really hard for me to listen to. So before we talk about listening to God, let's just talk about listening. What is listening? Perception of sound with the ears. But there's a lot of sound waves that come at our ears that we don't perceive, right? Like ticking of a clock, or the air conditioner, or wind. But if we can hear those things and think a clock, or wind, or the air conditioner, then we've listened. We've listened to that sound. And our minds, I think, work the same way. There's a lot going on. There's a lot sort of bombarding our, our minds, thoughts and feelings and intuitions. And we don't attend to a lot of them because we've learned to tune things out. It's just too much. And that's fair. It's fair to, have, to not be able to listen to everything all the time. But what makes it hard for you to listen? For me, distractions, having too many things to listen to, having a lot to say myself, uh, expectations, assumptions, listening to hard things that are just too hard to listen to for very long. I remember a professor in college describing the dynamic of a uh, college discussion group as people either just waiting for their opportunity to talk or waiting for the hour to end. And <laughs> but that occasionally the, dis the discussion would take a turn to the unexpected, to a place where the students hadn't formed an opinion yet, and then they had to listen to each other. So maybe our prayer could be like that, that we can just listen and not think of what we're going to say next and not wait for the moment to be over. can start by asking for the ability to listen. I think we need to do that. And then listen to what life and the moment is saying to you before you start to form your prayers. Try to let go of any assumptions you might have. I know my assumptions make me a really bad listener because I end up listening selectively. I hear things that confirm my assumptions rather than what I need to hear. But then it's one thing to say, give up your assumptions. It's another thing to actually do it. So here's what I'm going to suggest. Assume you're wrong more. It might be one of the safer assumptions. I'm wrong a lot. Even about things I know really well, I'm still a little bit wrong. And most importantly, I'm wrong about God. And it's easy for me to say, oh, I don't know the mind of God, except that I think I do. Like, I think the things that I, that I think are correct. But if I let go of that, if I assume that I don't know the whole story, then that gives me some room and some freedom to really listen and to maybe be surprised. Time can help with this. And at the risk of contradicting what I said earlier about letting prayers be short, 
listening sometimes takes a while. It takes a while to like exhaust your thoughts and exhaust your frustrations even. Okay, so how do you know when God is speaking to you? And it's not just your thoughts. I don't know, but I think practice helps. Some clues might be that the, what you're hearing doesn't come from your own needs, um, that it contradicts what you're thinking, that it goes against your inclinations. And then there's also words in the Bible. Listening to written words can be really hard too, though. I've been listening to audiobooks, and the reverse 30-second feature is used a lot because I find I just zone out. And reading and really listening to the Bible can be very demanding. So I think if you're reading something and having a hard time, it's okay to move on to something else. It doesn't have to, not everything has to resonate with you all the time. Maybe it will in the future. So some thoughts about praying with and for other people. Up to this point, we've been in our rooms with the door closed. And I am much more comfortable there than going out and praying with others. But James says that if you are sick, ask the elders to pray for you, to pray for one another. So let's try it. But I, I wonder, do you, do you ask others for things? Not just in prayer, but help in general. Are you honest with other people? Can you be more honest with other people? Like maybe start with people close to you and not the person at Starbucks, just to not alarm them too much. <laughs> I, I don't know all the reasons why it's good to have other people pray for you or why we're encouraged to do it. But one possible reason is that other people hear different things. That if you and a friend are in a conversation, you'll come away with different things. Or if you hear music with someone else, you'll hear different aspects of the music. And I think in prayer it's similar that someone else can hear things that you don't hear. There are a lot of people in this church who will pray for you and with you. Every Sunday there's prayer at the back, during communion and after. A quick note about praying in crisis. Um, and this, no, this point I've taken from a writer named Ronald Rollheiser in his book called Sacred Fire, which is about midlife spiritual maturity, which I think I've mentioned to at least half the people in this church. <laughs> And he says that there's a danger in praying in crisis. Um, and that if you're not in crisis, if you spend very much time exploring like the depths of your heart, you'll probably get there. Because our hearts and souls are dark places. Um, and that if you come to a point of crisis, praying alone can be dangerous. So if you feel like you are in crisis or coming to a place of crisis, ask someone else to pray for you. Ask someone else to listen with you. Try to focus on God. Try to focus on God's promises and not yourself. All of this takes effort for me. If I'm feeling like I'm in a crisis, I would rather kind of close ranks and not talk to anybody. Um, so if you are like me, I'm talking to you. Go get prayer in the back. Talk to one of the pastors. So if you can have others pray for you, you can also pray for other people. And this is good for everybody because they get prayed for and you can get your mind off yourself. Um, it turns us out into the world. And I think this is a place where using other people's words can be helpful because it's hard to know how to pray into someone else's experience. But we have old words that have centuries of experience that we can draw from. So some of those old prayers in the Book of Common Prayer, you will find resonate with you or resonate with other people. So you can draw from those. Praying for other people, honestly, is a thing I also think I'm bad at. 
People ask me to pray for them, and I, or I'll say I'll pray for them, and I don't. So I'm going to encourage you um, to do what I wish I have done a few times, and that if someone asks you to pray for them, pray right then, for them in the moment. Um, it might be highly uncomfortable. It probably will be highly uncomfortable. Um, but you don't have to come up with words on your own. The Book of Common Prayer is on the internet, and all, a lot of other prayer books are on the internet, so you could just pull up something that seems like it might be appropriate for their circumstance and pray that. If you should happen to have someone who does not share your faith ask you to pray for them, this is likely to be exceedingly uncomfortable. So I recommend checking in with the Holy Spirit, and then if you get a green light, try praying for them right then. Let me know how that goes. And finally, I just want to talk about practicing a little bit. Um, Again, I think I'm not a very good prayer, but there are some resources and ways of praying that have helped me. Um, it's okay if your prayers are short. It's hard for me to even hold a single thought in my head for more than like 30 seconds, so that's okay. I think beginning the process to getting to a prayerful life is slow and methodical, and it's not achieved in a day or a week or a year or maybe even a decade. It's okay to be at least to feel like you're bad at it. Routine can be helpful, praying at the same times every day and just bring whatever you feel in that moment. Um, traditional times are morning and before bed. Uh, we have the Praying Through the Year booklet that has four times a day. You could try that. There's guided prayers also in the Praying Through the Year booklet. There's prayer apps, Pray As You Go, which Erica Chapman shared with me, is excellent. It's like 10 minutes. They play some music. They do a reading. It's wonderful. Um, there's the Daily Examine, which is um, a guided prayer at the end of the day that you use to reflect on your day. And when I remember to do it, which is most, not most of the time, uh, it really helps me to become more thankful for things. That's in the last page of the Praying Through the Year booklet. You can also use your senses. And the line in the psalm that I really like that we prayed today is taste and see that the Lord is good. And I like that because it acknowledges that we know things through our senses. You can pray with your body. You can fold your hands. You can lift them up. You can kneel. You can stand. You can lift your face up. You can put your face on the ground. You can listen to music. You can stare at a fire. Staring at flames is for some reason really focusing. You can look at art. Incense has been used in prayer for millennia. You can try incorporating your sense of smell. You can use your imagination. Another um, Ignatian prayer idea along with the examine is the use of imagination in reading familiar things. If Jesus were in our neighborhood, would I go see him? Put yourself in the story. Put yourself as one of the disciples. You are the woman at the well. You are Mary. You are a Roman soldier. You are Pilate. It can help you examine your real feelings if you put yourself in the story. There are a lot of things to try, but I acknowledge that each of these also comes with the feeling that you might fail at it. So leave it aside if you feel like it's, it's counterproductive. Ultimately, we just, just pray because God wants us just to come. That we don't have to try to launch our thoughts into heaven, that God comes down and comes into our house and eats with us, um, that we just open the door. And I, 
I acknowledge that that is harder for me than it seems like it should be. So I pray for us, for me, for my friends here, God, that you will give us the ability to pray for each other, to listen to you, to be prompted to pray, to bring more things to prayer, that you know what we need before we ask you, that you know what we need before we even know we need it. So thank you for that closeness. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.